That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We're going to talk about a few issues, items, I should say, today. Uh, one is a follow-up on the Al Mohler video, which many of you have seen. Um, and then we're going to talk about an evangelist who was arrested in London. I'm going to read the article. I'm going to show you the video. Uh, and then why opposing critical race theory is a winning issue. I'm going to give you my thoughts on that uh, for Republicans. And, um, and so those are the three big kind of items. I want to say uh, first, before we get to those, though, that I'm very thankful to all of you for your support. I know many of you pray for me and all the different projects that I uh, have my hands in, and um, I just appreciate your your support. Uh, I couldn't do this without you. I know if if you're a big author, you get paid by the publishing companies to write books. I'm writing one now on the social justice issue. It's the second one. The first one was a history. This one is uh, more of a hands-on kind of apologetics book, uh, and, and there's, I'm planning on having um, kind of a small group workbook with it, along with some videos, so you can take a Bible study or that, you know, a small group or something like that through it, um, and an uh, eight-week course, something like that. But, um, but it's because of your donations uh, that I'm able to do this and uh, still meet my obligations to pay my bills and those kinds of things. So I just want to say I don't take any of that for granted. I'm very grateful, uh, and so thank you uh, to everyone uh, who does support uh, what I'm doing here. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention, for Last Stand Studios, I am going to a couple places. One of them, though, is Auburn, Alabama. That's going to be soon, like next week, I think. Um, on the 12th, Tuesday, the 12th, I think that's the 12th, I'm going to need a place to film some things, uh, preferably something historical, whether that's a church or just an old house. Um, if not, just a place would be fine. So if you have any connections in Auburn, Alabama, please reach out to studiolaststand at gmail.com. That's studiolaststand at gmail.com. I'll put it in the info section. And then, um, if anyone has connections in that vicinity, I'll be driving, I think from Atlanta, uh, early that morning, uh, to Auburn, Alabama. I would like to see if I can rent maybe a few lights, uh, and possibly a teleprompter. So, Yes, it is. It is a, a project that I'm excited about, but uh, need need some additional things. So um, I may be making some more announcements as as uh, we do shoots in different areas, because um, I know there's people that listen to this podcast who are from around those areas. So I'm not going to be there long. It's not going to be. It's going to be a very short thing. So um, I don't. I don't think it's going to be possible for me to do dinner or anything like that. But um, but if anyone has specifically. Um, uh, connections to a place to shoot or any of those items, I would really appreciate it. Um, let's let's see what else. Oh, I wanted to show you this. This is a this. I don't know what to make of this. Um, I saw this the other day, and so he, here's a picture. This is just kind of for humor's sake, but the Carter Center. Uh, I, you can see I captured this two hours after it was posted. I think two nights ago, the Carter Center on Facebook posted this this picture, which I, I don't quite understand, of the Bidens with the Carters, and it really looks like they're in a midget house or something like that. I Some of you may have already seen this, but I mean, it, it's, I, I was thinking that that cannot be the proportion, that that just, that's not possible. It, it could be like one of the, I don't know, tell me what you think. I don't know how this is possible. Maybe Biden is kind of like out farther and so there's a perspective thing going on. Maybe that's kind of what's happening. They're, they're just out farther than the Carters are. Um, but you know, or maybe a life, maybe eating peanuts does something to you in your old age. I don't know. 
But the, the more interesting thing, in a way, is um, look at the <laughs> look look at the Carter Center, which has Jimmy Carter and his wife. The, the pictures of them. Look look at the icon at the top, and you'll see they both have masks. Well, then look at the picture with them and the Bidens. Neither the Carters nor the Bidens have masks on. So I wanted to point that out just to say, I thought that even if you had the vaccine, you had to have a mask. I mean, Biden has been on video in, in Zoom sessions where he has the mask. But um, apparently you can be that very close to an elderly person and you do not need the mask. So just food for thought, I, I guess. They don't take them as seriously as uh, they say they do. But uh, moving on, on to more serious things. I wanted to show you um, just a, little things. that uh, There's been a, a tremendous reaction to the What Happened to Al Mohler video. And this was sent to me um, after the video, but I, I didn't know about it. So back in, well, that's not really that far. It's, it's actually a couple of months ago, a few months ago. Uh, this, this, it's November of last year, someone had posted this um, guy named JD is wearing a mask. <laughs> and, uh, and he posted um, about the phrase Black Lives Matter. He says the phrase predates the organization. Um, I'd get and, and, and by the way, I've gone through the history of that before. Black Lives Matter organization takes credit for coming up with the slogan. So of course, people had said the phrase Black Lives Matter as just a, a, an English, you know, it's just it's a sentence in English. But um, as far as, or it's a phrase, I should say in English, not technically a sentence, but as far as a slogan with the hashtag and everything, that uh, does not predate at least the founders of the organization, to my knowledge. They came up with it. But anyway, I digress. He says, I guess most people don't even know the organization exists. You, you, you all, really? Uh, I think most people do. You all are getting hung up on a red herring. In this country, at this time, all people of goodwill should agree with the simple premise that Black Lives Matter, all caps. Now, you know, all caps, Black Lives Matter, that's the slogan. So, anyway, that's who would, you know, no one would care, except for the fact that actually Al Mohler liked this. He doesn't like a lot of tweets, but someone sent this to me. He actually liked this tweet, which um, is interesting to me because we, we've talked a lot about this. Um, hey, what about separating the phrase from the organization? Can't you do that? And I've given a number of examples. I mean, it's like, um, you know, uh, saying that, you know, this is my body. And, and that means something in Christianity. It's, and then what if like a pro-abortion uh, organization took that and made that their slogan? Um, we rightfully, I think, be kind of like upset about that. You know, there's, there, is a, something, there is something related to authorial intent that um, defines the meaning of something. And those committed to... Uh, a grammatical historical hermeneutic should be the the first to say, hey, authorial intent is is important. Uh, another example would be like you know saying taking Allahu Akbar. I probably pronounced that wrong, but um, God is good. You know, or in in the Muslim religion, this is you know a common uh, in Islam, it's a common phrase that's used. And then Christians just hijacking that. We're going to take that now. We're going to use that. Well, it creates confusion, and and the purpose of communication is not to create confusion. So if you're going to take the the slogan Black Lives Matter and try to separate it from the organization and say it means something different now, at best you're creating confusion, uh, and you're and, and on purpose because uh, you're you're siding with an organization that the the intent that they have, what they mean by that, is not what you mean by that. 
right? So um, when they say Black Lives Matter, they're talking about uh, Black Lives Matter means that it insinuates that there's some kind of systemic oppression against black people, maybe related to the police. That's specifically uh, what they, they generally harp on. And so you saying that is insinuating that black lives don't matter in this country or to the police or in whatever, you know, in, in, in general, you know, systemically there, there's this problem and that, you know, the solutions of Black Lives Matter organization are meant to correct that problem. So when you say that, that's what most people are going to think you mean. And that's what it means in the broader culture. So if you're if you're going to take that and then just say, well, I just think it means that um this sort of general statement that black lives matter just like any other life matters because they're made in the image of God and and it's just a general statement. Well, then it wouldn't be controversial, right? It's, it's just a general statement, but um, it is controversial because there's more packed into that. There's more assumptions that it's resting on and it's the way that people use it. And it's the people who developed it, who are the founders of black lives matter, the organization. So I just thought it was interesting that Albert Moeller liked that. Um, so if someone sent that to me, I would have included it probably. Uh, I mean, you might think that's not a big thing, but taken together with everything else that I showed you last uh, in last episode, then I, I think it's significant enough to mention. Uh, and then you have Michael O'Fallon from Sovereign Nations. And this is kind of, kind of a bomb in a way, because Michael is a guy who has worked with Al Mohler, and he's put on events uh, for Al Mohler and for uh, organizations that were hosting Al Mohler. So he knows him and he's known him for years on a kind of on a business level at the very least. And um, and he says this, I think we can all say with confidence that the Southern Baptist Convention would not be what it is today without the strategic vision and guidance of Albert Moeller. That's that's quite the statement. He's saying basically blaming Al Moeller for the liberal drift, if you want to call it that, or the social justice uh, drift, if you want to call it that. But uh, wherever we are, the, (laughs) the Southern Baptist Convention, he's saying Al Moeller's responsible. So then someone sent me this, and I'm, I'm going to play this, um, set it up here real quick. So th- there were there was some pushback against the video I did, and I tried to really set it up. I mean, it's, it's airtight stuff. Like, I put the link in the info section if you want to check out all the sources. But there were still people who thought that it, it was, um, that, that, that I was lying, or that, I mean, it's just, it, it it's to be expected, or that, um, you know, I should have gone to him first or the general things you, you hear whenever you uh, say anything possibly uh, discerning about someone in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, I've just gotten used to it. Um, but I think the most serious charge that I made was that I was open to the idea that Al Mohler may have um, taught some false teaching. And I gave you examples of that uh, in that last video. And I said, I actually put him in the category of more of a Peter, where I think he's he stood condemned, but not an anthema. He's, he's um, giving cover for the false teachers, and he's being confusing, purposely confusing, um, so as to not get in trouble with the social justice crowd. He's walking this line. But I said, look, I'm open, because I, he has said some things uh, that really lend themselves to false teaching. It really sounds in some of the statements that I read, like he's merging some kind of social justice work with the gospel itself. And I have multiple examples of it. Kind of a serious charge, right? That I made. And so some people didn't like that. Well, someone sent me um, a definition of false teaching. And I thought, you know, I should play this definition 
of false teaching and see what everyone thinks about it. Because in, in the video, I had said, look, you got Tom Rush, you got Russell Fuller, I know of others, but you have at least those two have publicly said, yeah, we've confronted Al Mohler and we didn't get anywhere. So what, what, it, what constitutes a false teacher? If you're a false teacher, what does that mean? What, what would you have to do to be a false teacher? Well, he, here's an interesting definition. When is a false teacher a false teacher is when he teaches falsehood. <laughs> I, I would just add to that. Amen. But I think there is in the New Testament a clear uh, reservation of that, not just to one who teaches falsely, but who is uncorrectable, who resists correction. I mean, Apollos was a false teacher. But when he was corrected, when he was taught how to preach a better way, how to be more faithful to Scripture, he was corrected. So there's a difference between a false teaching, because just about any preacher starting out, especially he's going to teach something that's false. That's quite different than being, I think, a false teacher, uncorrected and uncorrectable. And... Uh, and the characteristic of his teaching is falsehood. So there you have it. Um, Al Mohler himself defining false teaching and what false teaching is. And I'm just throwing it out there. For those who didn't like my take on false teaching, well, what do you think of Al Mohler's take on it? Um, I kind of agree with that. I think there's something to that, that uh, it's... it's um, it, it's a there's a sort of a knowingness there there's some kind of knowledge that someone has when they're doing it they've been corrected in some way that would confirm that there's knowledge that they're doing something wrong and they're doing it anyway so I, I think there's something to that and uh, that's Al Mohler in his own words so throwing that out there for you guys um, let's talk about something uh, probably a little more important here on a civil level here. Uh, Pastor John Sherwood uh, was arrested for a homophobic comment here's. Um, an article by Christianity Daily on May 4th, and then you have uh, the video posted on Twitter by Jason Noble saying that this happened in London. How is this acceptable in any way, shape, or form? I'm going to show you the video, and then we're going to read this article. So um, here is the video of pa the pastor getting arrested. Yeah. 
Easy, easy. He's an old man, mate. He's an old man. He's an old man, mate. Take it easy with him. Preaching the word of God. Why? 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 The Lord God Almighty. Well, praise the Lord. The Lord God Almighty. You shall have God you. Look what he's carrying this old man. Look at this. It's hard to even watch that. I, um, I mean, it's n it's not particularly violent or anything, but it just shows you kind of where um, <laughs> where things are at in London. Uh, I thought at first it might be because he he didn't have a mask on, and I thought you know maybe that maybe that's what's going on. But uh, it turns out that's that's not the issue. I'm going to read for you. This is um, the story at Christianity Daily. A pastor was arrested in London over his statement on the biblical definition of marriage. Pastor John Sherwood was accused of making homophobic comments when he preached outside, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Uxbridge Station or Uxbridge Station. His arrest was handled unpleasantly that the elderly man complained he was bruised and treated shamefully, the Daily Mail reported. Sherwood is 71-year-old grandfather who has been ministering in an evangelical church for 35 years in North London. I wasn't making any homophobic comments. I was just defining marriage as a relationship between a man and a woman. I was only saying what the Bible says. I wasn't wanting to hurt anyone or cause offense, Sherwood said. He also said that he was just doing his job of preaching the gospel. When the police approached me, I explained that I was exercising my religious liberty and my conscience. I was forcibly pulled down from the steps and suffered some injury to my wrist and to my elbow. I do believe I was treated shamefully. I would never, it should never have happened, he further said. He was arrested under Section 5 of the Public Order Act for the said offense. He was held for a night in jail and released without charge, but his case will be reviewed by the Crown Prosecution Service. The pastor revealed that the officers also questioned him about his attitude toward gay people. In the video clip taken during his arrest, the pastor was shown uh, pulled forcibly down. You saw that. Um, and... The spokesperson for the Metropolitan Police said that in accordance with their professional standards, the footage showed that the officers did not commit misconduct in the arrest. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, that's pretty much the gist of it. Uh, this is concerning uh, because you, you know that this is the same exact thing that's coming here. Um we're, we're not that disconnected from what's happening in Great Britain. And um, it, you know, I remember, <laughs> I'm not that old, but I, I'm old enough to remember uh, not too long ago when, uh, before Obergefell, when we were told, when conservatives were told, social conservatives, that, uh, th th that basically it was, it was done. Once um, same-sex marriage was approved by the Supreme Court that, you know, they're, uh, there wouldn't be any further pushing. Uh, just, just give in, let this marriage equality thing, quote unquote, happen, and that's it. And and there were some of us who could see that this was not it. This was the beginning. And I think that's uh, this is 
just a look down the road, not too far in front of us for what's going to be happening in certain areas, probably in the United States. Um, in fact, uh, in, in some cases, I, I know it doesn't have the same force of law as in London, but I know st there have, has been harassment and things like that over this same issue in the United States already, but uh, nothing quite like this. And um, this is a gentleman who's elderly. He's been there a long time doing this. Uh, several people I saw on social media who had been to London who are Christians said, yeah, we, we know who that guy is. I don't know a lot about his theology, but uh, that, that would affect everyone, um, any evangelical or really, really just about <laughs> any Christian and members of multiple other religions, if they wanted to express what their religion teaches on the relationship between men and women, husbands, wives. Uh, and um, so th this is a, a concerning thing. It's happening. It's coming. Uh, and in London, it's there. And so uh, our solution uh, is just to keep being faithful and to keep doing what we need to do. Don't let that intimidate you. Uh, but uh, this this is there are trying to make an example of him. That that's what it looks like at least. Um, next issue I want to talk about is that opposing critical race theory seems to be a winning issue for conservatives. Um, I live in Virginia and I've seen over the last week actually a lot of the gubernatorial candidates rush to say how they're against critical race theory. Even Glenn Youngkin, who endorsed Be the Bridge, we've talked about this, which uh, posits every tenant, all the seven tenets of critical race theory, uh, and he's in, you know agreed to read this and endorsed it on some level. Now he's saying, no, I don't believe in critical race theory, and now we're not going to teach it here in Virginia. So it's hard to tell the, the posers from those who actually are against it. But um, if you can remember the two broad categories critical race theory breaks down into, the teachings. Number one, the Marxist element, that there's these hard and fast lines between oppressor, oppressed, and that uh, in these power relationships between the two groups when they interact, there's some kind of oppression, some kind of racism that manifests itself in subliminal ways even. So racism is normative. That's, that's the header I'd put over that. Racism is normative. Uh, it's everywhere, even if you can't see it. It's just part of the fabric of society. The second... Um, uh, assumption is from the postmodern end, and that is that you need these standpoints, these minority glasses to understand reality, to understand oppression. If you have those two things, you have critical race theory, basically. And um, <laughs> I, I, I think that there's some people who believe one or both of those who are saying that they're against it because it's to their advantage now. And so be, be careful of that. Be aware of that. There's now a market uh, in opposing this, it's to people's advantage. People who don't even know what it is, haven't read anything about it, haven't taken the time to try to understand it, they're opposing it now. And here, here's just some other examples of uh, where this is being debated or where it's been a winning issue. Coca-Cola has paused its new woke initiatives after major pushback and boycotts. Um, you have, uh, remember Coke was saying you got to be less white. You have um, in the state of Tennessee, there was a, a debate. I think this was actually today. Um, about teaching critical race theory. Uh, you have, um, here's NBC News reporting that uh, opponents of anti-racism education, right? It was, it's, it's actually people who oppose critical race theory indoctrination, but they win a big, bitterly divided election in South Lake, Texas. Conservative candidates who opposed a school diversity plan won every local race, taking about 70% about of the vote in the wealthy Dallas-Fort Worth suburb. Uh, this, is, this is a winning issue, guys. And that's why you're seeing it now. All of a sudden, this delayed reaction. I just, I would not believe all of it. Just be careful. You want to test to see that the people who are actually opposing this actually oppose it. Uh, because I think so many of them probably don't. And that's just my, my caution. 
Uh, it's two people's advantage. It's, it's to market themselves as against critical race theory. Um, I've already said this before in the SBC and in evangelicalism. The litmus test, one of them at least, needs to be, are they willing to name names in their own backyard, in their own denominations, where they have the most power to do something about it? Are they willing to name the names? Because if they just go after and say, well, I'm against critical race theory, yeah, like everyone is now rushing to say that. But do they actually understand it? And are they willing to name the names of the people who are actually pushing it? Okay. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot to mention this. Why? Why is it a winning issue? Um, number one. Uh, these are these are two examples um, that I noticed recently. Virginia schools to change names from slaveholders Thomas Jefferson and George Mason. So two founding fathers uh, that public schools are named after. Yeah, we're going to change those names. That's that's racist. Um, that this is one of the reasons. It's this kind of thing that is causing people to say we don't want this taught. Uh, Virginia moving to eliminate all accelerated math courses before eleventh grade as part of an equity focused plan. So dumbing down the curriculum dumbing down the curriculum. Uh, that's, I think, why it's a winning issue. It's getting into people's personal lives. And uh, last but not least, I think, yeah, this is my last slide here. Um, Ryan Fournier posted this, um, posted two things. That I, someone sent this to me, and I was like, okay, I'll include this on the, the podcast. Um, he, he's a, a conservative activist, I guess, for lack of a better term. And he, he posts this on his Twitter. Boy Scouts of America is now facing potential bankruptcy. That's what happens when you give in to the left's gender nonsense. A few moments later, <laughs> this is about Bruce Jenner, now calling himself Caitlyn Jenner, running for the governor of California. He says, boom, just contributed. We need real leadership in that state. Democrats have destroyed it. Uh, so then you have, you know, th th this is, I thought this is just a good illustration to kind of put in this slideshow of people who say they're against critical race theory, right? In this case, it's, it's, it's a different social justice issue. Um, it's people who say they are against the left's gender nonsense. But then, you know, Kate, Caitlyn Jenner, it's, that's real leadership in the state of California. I'm going to contribute to that, uh, that campaign, um, it, it just, you know, strikes, I'm just telling you, just just look into these people <laughs> before you uh, follow their lead. You just might want to do a little bit of research to make sure they're being actually consistent. Um, well, that's all I think I have for you today. Uh, hopefully that was a beneficial little news roundup there. There's a lot more. I, I've actually been writing down um, uh, potential shows, and I, I've gotten a lot of requests. Hey, John, can you talk about this person? Can you talk about this issue? And uh, in due time, I am trying to get to as much as I can. But uh, again, trying to write a book here as well and uh, do some filming. And uh, there's just a lot going on. But I uh, wanted to just close by reiterating thank you for all your support. It does mean a lot. It does help. And if anyone's in the Auburn, Alabama area, I really appreciate uh, someone reaching out and letting me know that they know of a place that we can do some filming. So that would be very helpful. All right. Well, God bless. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details